our viewers have helped out and well done to our, our listeners um, and readers. Um, the sandpaper leaves a gritty mouthfeel, which we feel our members will really appreciate. That's from Simon Power. Uh, Graham Bernauer, brewed in aluminium in honour of Dennis Lilly's back. Um, <laughs> Kyle P- Pearson, it's the drinking equivalent of an underarm ball to a New Zealander. <laughs> With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They've also been bringing you a grain of truth in every podcast. And this is Good Brews Week, which is still, as we speak, Australia's number one beer-related podcast. My name is Pete Mitchum. I am your host. And joining me, as he always does, is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. How are you? I'm very well, thank you for asking. And joining us as she semi-regularly does, and it's great to have her back, and the timing could not be more juicy. It's from Totem Marketing, Zoe Ottaway. G'day, Zoe. Hey, Prof. Hey, Matt. How are you both? Not too bad. How are you? So we should just point out quickly, listeners, that uh, we did not know that lots of women in beer news was going to pop up in your news feeds uh, when we locked Zoe in, because she's very busy now. And we should just point out, too, I was at the, uh, the gala showcase for the opening of Good Beer Week, and there on the cover of the printed program totem marketing is the um the it's the marketing partner for good beer week so congratulations thank you thank you it was a um yeah awesome project to be working with the good beer week team and and continuing to do so until the festival launches in may so yeah it's a great program and and a great team to be a part of as well and they've got some great marketing as humble as you are zoe i'm sure that uh you will not say but we will on your behalf that uh it's a fair reward for um a lot of good work in terms of um marketing in this specific space so well done Oh, thank and the, you. Um, and the, you the program looks good. On the side of the phone, <laughs> program's great. Really diverse. Really covering the city. Zoe, and I also just want to say that Totem Marketing has recently celebrated its 12-month uh, or you know, first birthday, and uh, you had a, a, a very lovely post that you name-checked us um, as if we'd had some role in the success of Totem. Um, we actually get you on because we want to bask in your talent and success so it's got nothing to do with us oh no 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 I, I feel the opposite I feel um and I'm sure it's a lot of the listeners um that probably have their own breweries other small businesses um that first year is tough and um anything that we can collaborate together to um yeah to work on is always appreciated so um no I I love coming on um this podcast and having the opportunity to talk about marketing um it's something that unless you're following marketing podcasts, I don't think in other industries we really touch on it. It focuses a lot on the production side of things. Um, And so anything I can just help just get conversations going, um, especially with breweries um, that are just trying to help them view their businesses maybe in a different way and how their consumers are seeing it. Um, is always something I would love to keep going with. So, no, I meant it. Thank you very much for always having me on. 
Oh, anyway, I feel like there's too much Zoe talk right Mutual now. Mutual <laughs> admiration society. Let, let's, let's talk about yeah. Let's talk news. But just on that, Zoe, if we could, um, because as I say, I've discovered, uh, Matt and I sort of tend to share podcasts that we discover and we rarely sort of discover them on our own. It's, it's usually somebody else mentions something or you, you see something listed um, and then all of a sudden it you know becomes sort of a, a bit of a favourite. Um, I would love to, like, if you could perhaps uh, in the show notes give us a couple of um worthwhile listening uh, to marketing-based um, podcasts? Because I think that's one of those things that, yeah, you, you're right, we sort of, we're, we're learning, we're, we're always beer. And now we're learning, oh, okay, I've got to be a business as well. And part of that business is sales and marketing. Um, and I'm involved at the moment with um, with a, a program where we're trying to sort of get some training materials together for uh, for sales people in the, in the beer business. Um, Marketing is, uh, as we all know, it's one of those really important things. So if perhaps you could um, point our listeners in the direction of some um, uh, podcasts related to marketing, they might be able to jump on too. Yeah, I'd love to. Already I'm thinking of some that, there's some that are like very big, like plastic, fantastic, big budget um, marketing ones. But then there's also a couple that are already popping in my head that I think could be relevant to any size business. Um, so, yeah, no, I'd love to. Oh, yeah, Excellent. go to the notes for that. That'd be great. We do have a bit of news to get through, Matt and Zoe, so in no particular order, but starting with Beer Insider Festival, we'll have a look at uh, the two recent ones, one in Melbourne and one in Brisbane, and see how everybody fared and pulled up the next morning. We'll have a look at Lion, who have banished blokes and banter in their Han Ultra Crisp beer campaign, and we might also perhaps just have a little bit, we might go to the beer four up, up there and have a look at how the uh, CUB are responding as well. We'll look at the growing prominence of mid-strengths, fruit sours, and even low-bitterness juicy IPAs. Pirate Life has brewed a beer specifically for MCG members, and there was plenty to talk about in that one. And a good news story, which we might even kick off with, Matt, which is the Townsville Brewery and Bintani launch The Big Wet. Yeah, just a nice little... There was a, obviously... A, a, it got a bit wet up in Townsville um, over the... Uh, a couple of weeks ago with, with a cyclone coming through a lot of people uh, affected and uh, Bintani supplies Townsville and also their Queensland uh, sales rep Mitch um, is a former brewer up there so um, they naturally wanted to to work with the local brewery to create a you know what we see a lot of breweries um, doing create a a karma keg or a, a beer that was designed to raise money um, and they're, they're giving it to a very good cause it was the Red Cross um, up there, I think. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's just one of those things that we see, um, you know, so very often. Um, local breweries being part of their community um, in, in in the best way that they can, and uh, great to see Bintani uh, supporting them and uh, you know, providing the uh, ingredients, um, as we see a lot of suppliers doing. So the uh, you know to to make sure that they can raise even more money. Just a, a yeah, nice little uh, feel good story, and you know, our thoughts to everybody up in Townsville. And as I say, people down south probably, you know, it's been hot as stink down here. Beautiful summer into autumn weather. Um, the Melbourne autumn really hasn't started yet. So, and I was up with you not a week ago for about a week um, and literally, you know, sweating it out in 37 degree heat. It didn't get a lot cooler overnight. Um, and so for me to come back here and, and it's just a little bit, uh, surreal to sort of see uh, just how wet it's been both um, in 
Brisbane and then in the far north um, and also across Sydney. It wasn't until I watched the Rugby League and it's not until you go into Coles or Woolies and you see all these signs saying, you know, um, weather up north has affected the price of, um, you know, whatever the the fruit and veg is. And that's when it sort of puts it into perspective that, you know, the wide brown land sometimes is, um, you know, the big wet as well. Droughts and flooding rains, all that sort of stuff. Exactly. So well done to Bintani and to the Townsville Brewery and a shout out to uh, to Mitch from Bintani who is in my top 25 people to get stuck at a bar having a beer with. Beer Insider Festival, speaking of beer, Matt, you and I managed to, we did the tour, we did, we, oh, well I did, I did Melbourne and then um, on the Saturday and then the following Saturday uh, was up in Brisbane and we went to Beer Insider Festival. Um, have you had a chance to get across it, Zoe? You're probably too busy to get down to the first one in Melbourne, but um, I'm sure you're aware of the Beer Insider Festival. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, one of the considerations for here in Melbourne was that it was on the same weekend as quite another big beer festival. So, um, yeah, I was watching and- with interest to see how the city reacted to having two big ones on the same weekend. Also uh, on the same weekend as... There was the Melbourne Brewers, Melbourne Beer Fest, but there was also a rock concert of some sort. Um, and I'm embarrassed now. Not Guns N' Roses. Or was it? Anyway, some somebody was out, and I didn't realise that that was on at the same time. Um, so still great to get 3,500 people. And the reality was that um, the Beer Insider experience really wanted to get into the into the showgrounds, and that was going to be their first opportunity for perhaps another 18 months. So they knew, you know, they were going to be competing with other stuff, but so well done to them and a really well run, great vibe. Um, hopefully the brewers did well. Um, that was certainly Matt a different vibe and a different feel uh, when you packed uh, nine and a half thousand people into the Brisbane showgrounds for Beer Insider. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those um, events. We've we've talked in the past about whether you know beer weeks and you know beer festivals have had their day. Um, they they kind of stemmed from a day when access to market was you know, a, a real challenge for small breweries because they were essentially locked out of most pubs um, and they had a very hard job convincing people that their beer was worth uh, drinking. So you'd have these festivals that were designed to you know, spark interest and in, in, in encouragement. But with so many bars and venues and you know, tap rooms essentially you know, constant beer festivals um, with, with tap takeovers, etc. Um, beer, f- the, the, the word is that brewers are starting to question their involvement in a lot of beer festivals. Um, and uh, Marty um, with Beer Insider has created something that, you know, has a real drawcard through the music that they put on. So it's as much a music festival as, as a beer festival. It's, it's kind of almost a, a beer festival that then morphs, as the sun goes down, it kind of morphs into a, a music festival, isn't it? Well, they, I mean, yeah, it, 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 as the day goes on. Because there were certainly two very, yeah, very different elements to the day. And, and it highlights the challenges involved in doing that because as the day goes on, people become less and less interested in, in the brand. And, I, you know, I do question, even when you speak to the brewers, a lot of them talk about how well they do um, from the event in financial terms. You know, so, so they sell a lot of beer, um, yep. which to, to me is always when you've got that many brewers there and they're talking about how much they make. They do that by selling alcohol, um, and there's you know a, a lot of strong alcohol there, and so that's going to have you, you're going to see the physical evidence of that profitability in 
to, to the behaviour. Apparently, there were a few, uh, you know, ejections. There were a few issues. You know, at one stage, Prof, you and I were walking past and saw some guys rip out a beer bong, and you see that sort of silliness as you do when there's a younger crowd, you know, around. And that's yeah, always yep. going to be a really challenging um, thing to balance. Having brewers reach their you know, goals of getting the, the, the brand and the awareness and, and those sorts of things out there versus just drinking, but also bringing a new crowd in um, to introduce it. So at the end of the day, I think we would have seen a lot of people who may not have been hardcore beer drinkers go, wow, you know, beer is a you know, really interesting drink. Whether they'll go home going, gee, I really enjoyed this Berliner Weiss from this brewery and I can't wait to seek it out in the shops, you know, I, I, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, because yeah, the, 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 the 60ml sample you had at 2 o'clock in the afternoon – um, are you going to remember it at, you know, two o'clock the following afternoon? You know, um, is there value in engaging with, with people's brands when you just want to have something, oh, that's interesting, that's nice, but then you're turning around to watch something for Kate? Exactly, yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I, you know, when you sort of hear people talking uh, around the space, the music selection that the bands that you have can have a big influence because you, you, you need bands that are going to draw people because it's a music festival and so far as beer festivals go, it's quite expensive. Um, so you need to have pulling power in the bands, but the, the, the bands also need, you know, have a big role in setting the tone um, for the, the, that will set the behaviour. What, what, what do you think, um, Zoe, in terms of, you know, it, 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 it is a challenge trying to uh, set a tone for an event but also satisfy all of the outcomes that, that an event like that has? I think it's definitely that. Um, I think that's where we're seeing like the successful festivals like Beer and Cider. Um, if we're just having beer festivals, we're kind of still just talking to the same people every time and we do want to be bringing in new consumers and that's where the music plays a huge part. But then it does really change the dynamics. Um, and I would dare say too that they might be open to trying new beers exactly in the early daylight hours. But once the music gets starts, they're probably just going to the brewers that they already know, they feel comfortable with that beer and it's not about the beer at all any longer. Um, so I think it will always be a challenge. Um, you've just got to make the most of the opportunity, I think, in those first few hours and hope they do remember. Um, but as um, Prof said earlier, like there's just so many beer festivals. Um, it's certainly the advice that we give to our clients that just be really smart and pick the ones that work for you. Um, don't be at one just because that's where everyone else is um, and don't get caught up in the marketing of a beer festival. Like, Where can you send people to after your beer festival? So if you're doing a regional one because it's such a good festival but you've only got one customer in that, that town, you know, is that a good spend of your money or is there an opportunity there to partner up with them and actually maximise it? Like, are you prepared to go further than that beer festival? Um, so I think it's festivals are becoming more about not just being there on the day but really thinking about what 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 are your targets like what what are you aiming to to achieve by being there um more and more of them are getting harder to break even at um so a, a lot of them getting sales on the day will might not be your primary outcome it might be brand awareness and if that's the case where can people then go to around that beer festival to find you and if the numbers are limited, maybe that should be one that you should be assessing. Yeah, and I think too we'll probably see, you know, the market will dictate and, and things will change. Like I I can see already that there's a, I guess, a, 
a bit of pressure on uh, the organisers, who at the end of the day, you know, take on all the risk, um, you know, have to then get out and sell the tickets and all that sort of thing and make it work. But at the end of the day, they're, they're there to make money. Um, it, it, I think we'll probably see perhaps a shift in the way it's done. Certainly the, um, the square technology of, you know, just tap and go, um, apart from, look, I think is a much more um, efficient uh system rather than than tokens because tokens at the end of the day there, there's a cost involved in that because somebody's got to sit there and physically count them all um you've got to hope they haven't all stuck together because there's you know the beer getting poured on it and all that sort of stuff um we did have uh, an incident of um at, at a beer festival i was at recently where they had the little yellow tokens and some wag had gone down to office works and bought a packet of um yellow similar coloured sticky notes and then just cut them up to the same size and then would hand two or three over, the top one being a real one and the bottom two being, being you know, post-it notes. Um, so I think the tap and go makes it easier, um, A, to um, electronically see, you know, what, what, what was popular, what you're selling, all that sort of stuff. But I think, too, the, the, as a result of just trying to break even or trying to make money um, at, at these events, brewers are then sacrificing more of that specialty stuff or the limited release stuff because at the end of the day, I don't want to take three quarters of a keg of, you know, barrel-aged out home. Um, I'd rather go home with three empty kegs of, you know, light, easy-drinking XPA. Mm, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so well done to Beer Insider and uh, watch this space. Uh, let's see how, how festivals go into the future. We'd also love to hear from um, brewers if you have opinions on not which ones are good and which ones are bad, but just generally, you know, how do you, I guess, go about being more choiceful about which uh, events you can afford to go to. Now, I guess the big hot-button topic issue this week has been both Lion and CUB this week have been fairly obvious in changing their marketing to be less blokey and certainly more inclusive. So Lion uh, banishes blokes and banter in the Han Ultra Crisp beer campaign and Great Northern um, opened the doors to the National Park and let some women in. Yeah, lots of comments on Facebook, which again, and, and you know, I should address, um, somebody suggested that this was advertising and that we, we I, I actually think this is legitimate news. You know, Pete, God, we've been doing this podcast for nine years now and you know, if we had a dollar for every time um, we referenced the, you know, the, the four blokes making a boat, the four blokes around a campfire with the dog, the four blokes, you know, four X Island, blokes, all yeah. of that uh, sort of thing, which you know we, we've always been highly critical of um, because it, uh, you know, set such a, a masculine face for beer. Now, as we talked about last uh, over the last couple of episodes, um, is beer blokey because of advertising or is beer advertising blokey because beer has come to be masculine i don't know but that that's what i'd really like to uh hear, hear, uh, get zoe's take on yeah both these ads I'm, i don't really know where to start um with i guess with what um yeah you just said it's a bit chicken and egg i think that um i certainly grew up with my grandmother drinking beer um and my friends that from Queensland are like, yeah, we all drank beer. Like, I think it's just culturally a consideration. But over, you know, bloody marketers in the, you know, 80s and 90s really did make beer a masculine drink. Um, you just have to look at not just the presence of men in those ads, but also the role that 
the few women played in those ads, um, it really did define beer um, in, a, in a very specific way. Um, and that's a really hard cultural thing to change, especially in a country like Australia where you know, beer is such a big part of um, you know, our identity. Um, so to just, I, as both a marketer and as a female beer consumer, the fact that a woman being in a beer ad warrants press release from Great Northern is a little bit... Uh, depressing um <laughs> i would love to have that just have been the press release actually covered two parts one that they were trying to inspire um like tourism to tropical north queensland and how the great outdoors is up there and be very adventurous and to me that's where it should have stopped um, <laughs> but then to bring in you know we've we've included a woman in the ad it, that could have just been done and it would have just been that natural association that very subtly started bringing females into the narrative. Um, I've said this on the podcast before, the gender issue is never, as far as I'm concerned, is not in the industry. Um, you know, every industry has a few dickheads, but as a whole, our craft beer industry, I don't think even recognises gender as a thing. Like we're just people that love beer and we all help make and sell it. Um, it's the outside world that still questions that female and beer association. Um, and so just having a great billboard from Great Northern that, you know, one third of the, the people shown happens to be a female, that's enough. Like I, yeah, I don't, it's, it's a bit disappointing that we're still kind of calling that out. Um, as for the lion ad, it spoke about trying to banish the four Bs of blokes, banter, bars and barbecues um i kind of got a bit lost on that because the whole ad is about a bloke down the street <laughs> buying beer and going to a party so the, uh, the whole ad is actually about a bloke so i didn't really get that bit and i i think I, once again we've kind of got an ad here that's made for marketers rather than made for beer drinkers um they are trying to push a new product that's um low carb in the um, information I've read about it, they're claiming they've used the word gluten-free, which I actually find quite interesting on a, another subject because we all know how tricky that is to claim. Um, that is not in the communication at all. Um, you know, they've mentioned that they're trying to move away from a well-distracted-by-beach yoga and I guess this hipster kind of connotation, but to me that ad is quite that's who they're trying to target. Um, and... Um, yeah, so I, again, like if it was about the story about how this beer is gluten-free and it's, uh, you know, in quotations, a healthier option than others on the market, um, you know, that, that message didn't come through. So um, I, I got really confused on the positioning of this um, ad and the communications that came out about it seemed quite conflicting to me. Um, but, yeah, there's, um, yeah, there's no female representation at all in that. Um, beer, which a little bit of me is happy for that because that, that tends to be where female um, presence in beer ads do tend to sit when it's like pure blonde, low carb. For some reason, that's the only way women get marketed to when it comes to beer. Um, I was actually walking home last night and I saw a bus shelter ad and it had three women and one, beer, and one guy in it. And I was like, that's great. And it was an ad for Heineken 3, which is their low-carb beer. And I was like, ah, oh, there we go again. <laughs> like it's 
that's the way women like the only way we drink beer is because we're concerned about carbs where we know from being in the craft world we're we're chasing down flavor and diversity and interesting ways that beers are made just like guys are um and so yeah it's just the I think the rest of the beer world and beer marketing just has to kind of catch up to understanding yeah. why women drink beer is the same. There's so much I want to dig into um, from that, uh, Zoe. And I, I guess the first thing is, well, God, you, you walk into a craft brewery um, and you'll see that, you know, easily 30, 40, 50% of the patrons are, are young women um, who, you know, are drinking beers that don't have a refreshing taste. They actually have flavour. Um, but... Moving away from that, we are talking about um, beers in the mainstream category that has traditionally been sort of very male-dominated, both in advertising and consumption, you'd say. How hard is it when you've got a product that is very masculine to actually start softening that approach without losing your rusted-on um, masculine audience? Um, and, and straight away, I, I thought about... and I. I think you're a little bit young to remember the, the, the ad series, unlike Pete and I. Um, but in the 80s and 90s, there was a Holden Barina um, that was marketed to women and it came in pastel colours and the ads you know, were very much targeting women. But they suffered a lot of blowback from that because suddenly had 50% of the population that wouldn't drive it because it was a chick's car. And then secondly, you, you also started to get the, well, did you want it as a second car because, you know, the... the, the husband didn't want to drive the wife's car even on those times he had to because it was such a chick's car does beer have that risk where there, there is a audience for you know an ugly audience for for a lot of mainstream beers if I'll, I'll call it that way and you know you just need to highlight some of the things that we've seen in the afl uh, aflw um this week to, to show that there is a, you know fairly an ugliness um to, to some things but how hard is it for big brewers to soften their approach without actually alienating the biggest part of their market, bearing in mind that they are in business? Oh, exactly. Um, you know, from many, many years ago when I was with Lion, um, you know, I remember they had some presentations on Forex and they identified through research that their consumer base was 90% men. Like they've still got a market to who their target consumer is. So, would never see, a, you know, immediately this um, 100% female-led ad for Forex because that's not where their loyal and biased customers are mainly um, placed. Um, but that's where an ad like the Great Northern ad, where it's just subtly introducing a woman into the narrative, that's that's great. Like, they're the subtle changes that we need to see changing. Um, something like this one is so culturally ingrained um, Ripping off the band-aid isn't, in my opinion, the best way to do it. It will need – it's that kind of easing in and gentle guidance. Um, we are – it's a its a cultural perception that we need to change, which actually is not about the beer at all. So it, it's irrelevant what kind of beer it is. It's actually the culture that we're trying to help change here. Um, you know, I've seen – I've seen with my own eyes when I was helping Stuart at the um, AIBAs uh, judging – a female reporter covering the judging asked Jane Lewis if she really liked beer. And I, <laughs> like, Jane sure. obviously yeah. has such a legacy in, in Australian crap or in beer, even before setting up two birds. So there's just this perception again that, but you're female, like, 
do you drink beer? Like, I've been asked that so many times. So we just need to have things like this where it's actually just bringing it back to why wouldn't you be drinking beer? Yeah, because it's cultural. It's not, um, and I get asked that at beer festivals by both men and female and women. Like, it's not, it's it's a cultural thing. And it's the same with the cars, as you just said. Like, there's still be a lot of guys that will go, oh, I don't want to drive a beep, beep arena. Um, and on the flip side, if you see car advertising for um, often the off-road four-wheel drive ads, there's always a man driving the car. There might be a woman in the passenger seat, but it's nearly always a solo man or he's he's the driver regardless. Um, we, we do tend, this this is, again, marketers, this is what we do. We, you have to identify who your target consumer is and make sure they're the ones that feel so, the most special by your communications out, that they're getting the message through. Um, so, yeah, it needs to be subtly done. Um, the same, like if we saw a car ad, and um, I think we are actually starting to see some of these days where it is more of a, um, a runabout car for the city and they're, they're highlighting all the technology and automatic brakes and sensors and they'll have guys driving those cars where, like you said, in the past that might have been more of a what we would deem to be a, the mum's car. Um, and we just kind of need to start seeing those subtle changes happening within beer advertising. Um, but, again, keeping in mind that these ads, while we might look at them and they will of course, it's obvious that a woman is in it. When they know the data is that they are so heavily dominated in volume sales by men consuming it, um, it is something that just needs to be subtly done. Um, and there's more, again, that education piece of if you're up in Queensland, as um, we were saying offline before, Matt, and you know, humidity's through the roof and it's hot, there's no reason why a female wouldn't want to drink a beer that's just cold and refreshing. It's probably a nicer choice than a Chardonnay or like you, you might, it, the, the actual rational benefits of drinking that beer make sense. Um, but there's this perception that, oh no, like I wouldn't, I don't drink beer. Um, and so, yeah, that's just where the marketing just has to change. But yeah, it, I think it just needs to be subtly done. Otherwise you will be viewed as um, maybe trying to be too PC or um, you, you do have to consider who your existing customer base is because that's what's keeping your brand afloat. Look, I, I, and I really take your point about the need to announce this. It would have been, I, I think, much classier if they'd just done it and sort of let the ads speak for themselves, w- which is incidentally back when Forex Summer Bright Lager launched, you know, God, that must almost be eight, nine years ago, I remember that the ad was very different from the classic Forex gold ad it, because it was a, it was almost a precursor to, to Great Northern. Um, it was a clear bottled um, lager and the, the ads were a party on the roof with a, with a group of, you know, 25 to, you know, 30-year-old um, you know, men and women all engaging, you know, sort of walking into a party with, you know, a young woman holding the beer and... Um, and it, it didn't make a big thing, but that seemed to be the insight that they were um, going on. So there's, there actually isn't anything new and even big brewers putting um, women in, in, into advertising. But when you look at this ad, does it trouble you at all that, um, as some people have commented online, that the, whilst there is a woman in the commercial um, or in the, in the ad, that she's taking a fairly passive role. You know, the, the, there's a photo of the two men and a woman in a boat. 
the, the, the bloke's driving the boat, the other bloke's fishing, and the, the uh, lady is just sitting there in the chair sort of laughing at how funny they both are. And then in the other one, uh, you know, the, the two blokes are up on a rock. The uh, lady is about to climb the rock, but of course being helped by the man. Now, is that gentlemanly or patronising? What, what, what's your take on that? Um, I, I can completely understand all those feedback. Um, I think just as a marketer, I am just appreciative that there's a female included. Um, I think, though, being myself, I did see them. It's kind of like, wouldn't it have been nice if the person standing up with the fishing rod was the woman? Like, I'm sure she's not there just to work on her tan. She might actually want to fish as well. Um, yeah, I I agree. Um, whether that's I'm, – I'm probably having a little bit of trouble defining whether that's a professional or personal view. Um, <laughs> I, I did think the same when it was um, – the one with yeah climbing up the rock and the guys helping the, um, the woman up, I, I did I did thank that too. Um, but at the same, the marketer in me is just happy to see a female there. Um, again, it's it's a circumstance that could quite happen. Like it's not, um, I don't think it's deliberately patronising. Um, it's not degrading. Um, it is a style picture. Um, but yeah, it could have been an opportunity to just have done it a different way yeah so i'm probably sitting on the fence a little bit on that one um but so now i um, I, I saw it completely differently to that and i know that there almost seems to be an industry out there with people whose job seems to be you know i guess reading things into all sorts of things i looked at that and i said she's the only one whose natural instincts have kicked in she's looking out for crocs <laughs> like she's she's watching for danger the bloke's, he's just concentrating <laughs> on his fishing. The other bloke's going, just, oh, we've got enough juice, and geez, she looks all right from behind. Whatever. She's the one who's, she's actually there going, oh, I'm going to keep an eye out for danger. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. Okay. I think it's just you there, Pete. <laughs> you, you, my opinion's valid. But, oh, no, As we probably, absolutely we it is. Keep moving on, because there's a, there's a whole episode we could probably do just on that, but we don't want to give, you know, two ads too much time. Um, but just on that, Zoe, I'm interested to know, um, having worked with the the big house, is there like a, you know, um, the big book of secrets? Like, is there a history of all the stuff that we've done? So, for example, Matt brought up the, the Summer Bright Lager campaign, which is one that I was thinking of before, um, which works spectacularly poorly for them. Do they sort of go, okay, we let's, let's shelve that? Or does it become part of the their marketing history, or when a new marketing manager comes in, is it right, forget about what we used to do, this is what we're going to do based on, you know, today's trends. How, how does it kind of, I guess, how, how, do, how do ideas win? Um, I think that easy answer is kind of D, all of the above. Um, there's certainly learnings from previous campaigns and also your competitors as well, what they've done well. Um, and, again, we can kind of relate that back to beer. You know, one, person, one brewery releases a very successful XBA and, Next thing, the market's full of it, or brute IPAs. Um, you know, we, we all do take inspiration from other um, places, including our competitors, whether we like to admit it or not. Um, research, you know, and I want to be careful here, like it's not just the big guys or the big companies with big budgets that have access to that. If you are a small independent, but you've got your own venue, brew pub, um, if a bar, you, you've got 
you've got your own research group there every time somebody walks into your doors, um, which I think is one of the most valuable um, assets you've got immediate access to. And best of all, it's free. Or if anything, you're getting paid for it because they're coming in to buy your beer. So um, to just be able to tap into getting feedback from the people who um, are there, like the big guys play a awful lot of money to do this with um, proper research groups. So yeah. Yeah, definitely maximise that when you can. Um, and, yes, I do agree with the last bit. New marketing managers come in and they want to put their own spin on things and then there's a label redesign or a totally different spin. Um, with the bigger guys, you know, they might change marketing agencies, um, creative agencies who then um, – you know, I'll probably be a bit controversial here, but they do have their own agendas too. Like, like they get more work and recognition and their reputation is built on the success of these ads. Um, there are um, marketing and advertising awards, just like there are beer awards. Um, so, you know, if you get a trophy, at, um, the Lion Cans is the um, probably one of the biggest marketing ones. Um, you know, uh, for example, if, if anyone remembers the... Cadbury Gorilla ad with the um, big purple gorilla that was playing um, playing Genesis on the drums. It's the only like time that, I've ever listened to Genesis. Got, um, <laughs> ah, there you go. Um, yeah, so that that got trophies and that like so in, if that's your agency, that that guarantees you all the best big yeah. jobs that pay well going forward too. So there's so many considerations that can go into a big ad like this. Um, saying that in mind, that probably a lot of the listeners aren't. With those budgets, I certainly don't be um, intimidated by that. I think sometimes the bigger the budget, the more money you waste. Um, if we look to those ads that are really popular, the Power and Ultra Chris ad that we're talking about, or if you think back to like the Tui's, um, the ad with the ton, hopefully everyone, it's a bit harder can't unsee that one. Um, we can actually put, click some of these. Uh, we'll find them uh, on YouTube and put them in the show notes. Yeah, so like those ads, you know, you put them out to tender, you go through quite the time involved in that is obviously a cost. The production of it, the the um, media spend put behind it to push it out. These are huge, hugely expensive um, campaigns. They're the ones we can remember off the top of the head. There'd be another thousand um, that might just have their short-term viral um, presence and then they kind of just fall away and they're just an ad that happened once upon a time. So um, you don't need these big app marketing budgets to cut through. Um, you know, you can, especially now with social media and everything, but you can be really smart with the limited budget and be true to yourself. Um, you know, again, the breweries that are listening to this podcast, you know your brand's better than anyone. You're not selling a story. You're, you're actually, you are the story. Like, it's so real and genuine. You're not trying to create anything. And they're the messages that you need to get out um, rather than these very, um, I know I say it a lot, but the plastic fantastic ads where there's not really a heart or soul to it. Um, there's nothing that I watch with that and that makes me just, you know, become insanely loyal to that buying that beer now regardless because it's, it's not just the, the the beer inside the bottle that people stand by it's also what that brand represents to them and how it makes them feel and how it represents them to others. um yeah it's 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 so much more and so if you're a small independent you've got that in you know 
truckloads over any of the big brands that have been created and a story's been made about it. Um, anyway, I, I, again, I can rant for hours on this, so <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I might just wind it up there. Well, a nice link into our next story, um, and I guess it comes off the back of what we've just been talking about, but specifically the thing that I guess um, another thing about the – let's go back to the Summer Bright Lager ad – the unrealness of that ad that strikes me is that I have never, ever been to a party where everybody is drinking the one beer. Even even if it was the, you know, the, the line Christmas party, there would still, there'd still be other brands around. So to me, that I guess that, that sort of doesn't gel. And it leads nicely it's into... Ads, prof. Come on. Yeah, I know it's ads. I know it's not supposed to be... <laughs> I know you're supposed to suspend reality, but then you want me to suspend reality and go out and uh, into reality and buy your beer. Well, I'm not going to. Um, the growing prominence of mid-strengths, fruit sours, low business... We, if you walked into a party now, there would be... I mean, somebody would probably have a couple of corny kegs and a, you know, a... Um, uh, a jockey box or, you know, somebody would have their, you know, refrigerator converted into a, you know, a, a kegerator. Um, there'd be a myriad of different beers and you probably wouldn't be able to tell most of what people were drinking because most of the, the guests, certainly at the parties that we would go to, folks, um, they, they would have poured it out of the labelled bottle into a nice glass. Um, so let's talk about the growing prominence of um, all the, I guess, the different styles of beer that we've got now. Matt, that was an interesting article that you sent me during the week to discuss. Yeah, well, it, again, it was... Uh, I, you never know whether it's confirmation bias and you start seeing the things you've been talking about in the media or whether... When you buy a red car, all of a sudden you start seeing red cars around. White Even if they're greeners. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, so so you're never quite sure, but, you know, I think uh, this is the third podcast in a row for Will Zabel, who's probably counting, um, that we've talked about, you know, the hard lemonades, the hard seltzers and those sorts of things that just happened that this week on Crafty Pint. They talked about some uh, Australian craft brewers who were, you know, and the, the question was posed... Um, are we going to start seeing the rise of um, hard lemonade, for example, or you know, alcoholic lemonade? And uh, you know, th- th- this brings in a couple of things to me. Once upon a time, if it had been big brewers doing this, everyone would have poured scorn on it. Suddenly, it's a craft beer thing, and we're seeing you know craft brewers making cider where they're basically getting alcohol into apple juice without the same care. That, uh, that they, they reserve for their beer? And, you know, is it just a, a line extension that's a pragmatic recognition of um, the, the, the fact that you need to sell more units um, and not just beer? Or is it actually, do, do they have a nice alignment with beer? I'm, I'm not sure. And again, this is uh, the sort of question that we get Zoe on to ask from a, to, to answer from a marketer's point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one's interesting. I think stuck on the the word lemonade um on and the article touched on how they're trying to communicate that it's um brewed with the same principles and care as beer um and i think um i vaguely vaguely remember growing up in adelaide and there was two dogs hard lemonade um, two dogs and mike's might have even called lemon yeah, I think they might have even called it a lemon brew. Um, so, again, like the wording you use is very um, important. Uh, you know, lemonade, I think, will be really hard to ever convince people straight up that it's not an RTV. Um, you know, we're so used to seeing it with spirits um, in other RTDs. I think that would be quite a challenge. Um, if you call it a lemon brew, do people then associate more as a lemon 
beer um, and they're expecting the beer profile rather than a lemonade profile. Um, it is a tricky one. Um, again, just with market in mind, we're talking such small volumes here. Um, you know, we're not talking a, a category the size of even craft beer. I think ginger beer might be a great example at the moment. Like, there's so many people I know that do like really love a refreshing uh, alcoholic ginger beer, but it's not their go-to. It's not that that category hasn't exploded. Um, yeah. We're certainly seeing more of it, but we're not seeing you know taps and taps of it like a beer would be. Um, I think it's just going to be that that nice option to have. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't. I can't see it being a category that's going to blow up purely. Um, it, it is, I think, quite a confusing one when ginger beer is, I think, a lot more easily understood. Um, alcoholic lemonade and how it's trying to position itself has other challenges. And we should point out, you know, putting our cynics hats on, that um, particularly, I think, with uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade originally, um, so there's a very, you know, um, I guess, mercenary reason that it's 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 made as a, a malt-based beverage because previously it was made with... Um, with vodka, which is the cheapest, easiest, neutral spirit that you can make, and then basically bubble it up and you've got hard lemonade. But then, of course, it comes under uh, the higher alcohol uh, tax regime, whereas if it's brewed with – if you get that same alcohol from mashing malt, then it's it's cheaper. So that's why uh, – that's part of the reason that they sort of, you know, started out. To your point about um, – Ginger beer, I know Matt and I, this is a funny thing because there's two things. There's ginger beer, which is, you know, an alcoholic ginger-based drink, and then there are ginger-infused uh, beers, which are two quite different things. And I think, like you were saying, Zoe, sometimes I think a ginger beer might be a bit of a palate cleanser or a bit of a, a break. Um, but Matt and I certainly found when we had our first ginger beer on um, at our craft beer alley at the Eka, um, there were people seeking out, we, we want a ginger beer. And it certainly, I, I don't think those people said, oh, I'll have a beer. Oh, you've got a ginger beer, I'll have that instead. It was, you know, that that was what they were they were sort of after. So I think it's that lighter, brighter flavour. Perhaps they're, you know, a beer is not for me, but ginger beer, you know, is fine. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I love it, good ginger beer. Like, it's so refreshing, especially like the first one for the day or something. But I get to, like, ginger can be quite a polarising um, flavour and because of the heat and the characteristics of ginger, um, one of the turn-offs for me on having, uh, I guess, a session or my night out on ginger beer it, um, is the sugar content in it as well. Like, the sweetness of it starts getting to me, which is wild. I do prefer to drink just normal beer yeah, um, yeah so yeah there's there's a few considerations there and matt and i certainly the, the, the recent trip we did at the sunshine coast with um josh donahoe from sunshine coast craft beer tours um we had at umundi uh their limited release beer infused with ginger and it was an absolute cracker because it was a really nice beer but it just had instead of a sort of kick of bitterness at the end it just had that nice kind of sweet slash spice um, dry finish, which on a you know a muggy day um, at Yamundi was just absolutely perfect. It was a, it was just a really nice beer. So that for me, I would I would rather go that than a I'd, I'd rather go the beer infused with ginger rather than the the ginger beer. But to each their own. Um, speaking of to each their own, a um, lot of comments. It's fair to say we got on uh, Pirate Life's new new beer, brewed for MCG members. Uh, 
biggest one of the biggest criticisms of going to the football is not being able to get, you know, ha, uh, inverted commas, decent beer. Uh, AB and Bev have got Pirate Life to to make a, an MCC MCC ale, MCG ale, um, and yeah, the um, the switchboard lit up with with comments. Some of them, I'm guessing, a little bit sarcastic. <laughs> Bruce News is only good for clickbait and uh, advertorials. Uh, the one that really jumped out at me, and it's the one that always comes up, AB and Beverbook, and, you know, like Pirate Life, the Mosaic and their uh, IPAs and that sort of thing used to be really good, but now AB and Bev has dumbed them down. And that just seems to be the standard sort of, you know, we, we can't accept that perhaps our taste buds have matured or we've, you know, developed a little bit of a, a hop um, oh, bitterness. Or you're just looking at the label when you drink it with the knowledge that they've sold out. You know, that's why beer judges judge blind because our perception has such an ability to influence our our, our taste. So so there is that. But I mean, just, I mean, leaving that aside, Prof, there's always going to be people who say that. This is me being pragmatic because you and I talk a lot about our first choice if there are two identical beers. We want to choose local and independent over anything else, and you know. But at the end of the day, we're beer lovers. Oh, and to that point, Matt, the last uh, the last meal that we had together, we had uh, half a litre of uh, Japanese Orion brand beer that was served to us in you know frosted handle glasses. All it the was things that we beer. ate, <laughs> exactly. But the thing at that time at the sushi train, after a really long day um, or few days of. Um, uh, you know, judging at the uh, the Royal Queensland in thirty five degree awards, it was it was per- it, there wasn't any other option. To be fair, uh, we could have had you know Asahi or Sapporo or whatever, but this this was draft and it was a cracker. It was just it and was we just enjoyed beautiful. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's the thing. So yes, look, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if um, Burnley Brewing uh, had you know the exclusive? Well, you know, well, actually, not even exclusive. If Burnley Brewing had um, beers on at the MCG because there was consumer demand for them. Um, that That's my idea of heaven. You know, I'll die yep. a happy man when Moon dogs, Moon Moondog Moon could, could walk their beers to, to the MCG. Um, Hopscotch, um, there's probably a few. Uh, Urban Alley. Yep. It's the other end of the city, but, you know, not far from the G. All of those things. And, yeah, look, absolutely. Um, that would be my idea of heaven, but it's not. And... You know, there's. I, I know uh, our, our good friend Muzzin um, loves to you know, suggest I love tap contracts. Absolutely don't love tap contracts. But the longer I've gone on, the more I've seen there's a, you know, there, there's a, there, there is a reason that they exist, and it's not just because the big brewers are bastards. Um, the MCG is, you know, that it's it's valuable property for a brewer, as we've seen Gage Roads with their Optus um, sponsorship, Optus Stadium, yeah. Optus Stadium um, sponsorship. They record their volume separately because they're, I think it's about eight hundred thousand liters a year through the Optus Stadium. Um, they essentially call it their marketing budget. They do it at cost. They make no money on it, but they get brand in hand. Um, and yeah, you know, they're they're a craft brewer, an independent craft brewer. So you've got to be a little bit careful about um, being inconsistent in, in, in your view. Pirate Life is now a, a CUB property. The reason that they were bought by uh, CUB is to try and grow the brand. Part of, you know, there's, there's that emotional part of me that sort of, you know, rolls his eyes and, you know, scorns, whatever. You know, it, it, they've got a beer at the MCG. It's not the the traditional beers i haven't tried this beer to know what it 
tastes like. But if if we're moving the ball forward, ultimately that's awesome. You know, if there is consumer demand that people stop going to the to the footy, stop, stop going to the MCG, if MCG members stop signing up because the beer selection isn't good, there is going to be a really strong, you know, imperative for them to sharpen their game and put independent beer on. Until that happens, we're going to see this. Um, ultimately, if I can get a better beer at the footy, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Zoe and Matt uh, and myself, none of us are uh, MCC members, so we won't be able to get to taste the beer. But if I could no. get you both to close your eyes, <laughs> I shall I shall describe the beer to you thusly. Uh, <laughs> and this was posted on our uh, our Facebook page by Will Zabel, and it's 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 quotes cut and pasted directly from uh, from the marketing blurb for the beer. But the brief was to brew a beer that would prove evocative. I don't even know what that means. With aromas and flavours redolent in the embodiment of Australian spirit. So, does it taste like sweat and mateship, or uh, and and football cheer? I don't. I, and, and, and Pete, this wouldn't is, you have said, which we achieve with the use of Australian Galaxy hop and you know uh, Pilsner malt. I don't know. Having said having said what I did to defend the, the beer on one hand, this is where I do get to have a little bit of fun because you know. <laughs> Nothing fires me up like a bit of good old beer marketing bullshit. And it's beer. You, you, you can sort of talk all about it. But the thing I love about it is Pirate Life founder Jack Cameron calls it a, uh, a shot to the heart of Australia's passion for sport, competition, fun and lifestyle. This is a beer that truly resonates, he says. Not only for its <laughs> aromas and flavours, which typify the powerful emotional sustain we get from great outdoors, but also for our sense of vibrancy and group celebration. Now, mate, I cannot see um, Jack Cameron, even with a check with a lot of zeros at the end, um, standing in front of an audience in his flannel shirt with his beard freshly waxed, saying any of that. And that's where... Somebody somewhere along the line was paid to include the words aromas and flavours in every single description of this beer. I wonder if he yet, saw and yet that media Nobody tells list. us what the aromas and flavours are. <laughs> but oh, that, that's classic uh, our, viewers, our viewers have helped out, and well done to our, our listeners um, and readers. Um, the sandpaper leaves a gritty mouthfeel, which we feel our members will really appreciate. That's from Simon Power. Uh, Graham Bernauer, brewed in aluminium in honour of Dennis Lilly's bat. Um, <laughs> Kyle P- Pearson, it's the drinking equivalent of an underarm ball to a New Zealander. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, I, I think our, our our readers have um, have nailed the marketing far better than um, yeah. than CUB's marketing but department Zoe, has on this particular occasion. Zoe, when like you know a brand like this, you know they've they've to some extent they have gone to protect the various brands that they've got and kept the the the, the faces out front um, to to sort of give the brands credibility um, that came with being founders. But when they create a quote from Jack Cameron that is just so far apart from anything Jack Cameron would actually say, is this the marketers sort of killing the brand or, you know, the death of a thousand cuts for a brand like this? I'm sitting here cringing. I'm, I'm just <laughs> embarrassed. We should, we should point out Total Marketing had like nothing this. to do with this campaign. <laughs> um, I think to be fair too, like, it's not just Jack that would say that. Nobody would say that. No brewer, not, a not me would. as a marketer. Like it's just someone who's been sitting at the computer going, I need to put some words together and have spent probably four hours just playing around big fancy words and like that's not normal language. Like we don't talk to each other, particularly at the footy or the cricket, using words like that. 
um, I would take all those um, listeners' contributions over that any day. They were brilliant, and they they could actually have they could have been done on it. Have they tried um, to channel I the think... Sam Kekovich type thing, where they you know, or the Roy and HG, where they're trying to sort of you know make it like is it a parody? Drink this beer, you know you want to. Yeah, but is but is it a parody where they're sort of you know overreaching? I, I, I'm still just kind of speechless. Um, <laughs> I don't think they've written it with anybody in mind at all. Um, <laughs> if they, you think you've, you've introduced a brand new beer, so the first thing everyone both on both sides of the bar counter is going to ask is, what does it taste like? I don't want to hear that waffle. Like, and I would hate to be working the bars and, like, that's the, the pitch you've been given. Um, yeah, and at the, on the same side, they're not probably wanting to know the hops that went in either. It's just like, this is the beer, this is the flavour. It's that step up from what you've been offered in the past and we're listening to you because that's what you as our MCC members have told us you want. Like, the, the, the purpose of this beer being created follow through with the comms back to the consumers or in this case the members there's there's been a, a total disconnect um but yeah that's that's not great that was not yeah. a great release um sorry like yeah. the copy redolent it's a word i use all the time when i'm talking about flavor and yeah. aroma <laughs> um but the other thing too we should uh, point out the mcs the mcg footy. members aren't paying for their beer so is it have they really demanded it because at the end of the day they'll drink whatever's there because they're not paying for it and They've had Fat Yak that, or Lazy Yak. They've had, um, uh, as well as the the other standard CB brands, uh, at the rare occasions that you know I've been into um, members' lounges or you know the, um, as a guest of um, Cricket Victoria, for example, um, we had Fat Yak or Lazy, Lazy Yak. I think it was because it was the the lower alcohol. But um, at the end of the day, you didn't say, "Oh, haven't you got anything else?" It was like, "Hey, it's free. I'll drink it." So is this really just a way of getting pirate life um, brand in hand? to people who otherwise might not, might not discover it? That, that could be. That definitely would have been a consideration um, made by CEB as to introduce a Pirate Life beer rather than um, a beer bridge, especially for them under the Fat Yak Ale, um, sorry, brand. Uh, that definitely would have been a consideration. Um, I think still the MCC would have driven this, um, even if it's free and for you, sometimes they can be the most critical people is that when it's just taken for granted, they um, just having yeah, run events and things like that when when things are given for free, yeah, it doesn't hold back the criticism in my experience. Um, and if sometimes I find them yeah, the loudest, most critical people and it is frustrating because you are sitting there going, well, you didn't pay for your ticket or, you you know, it is free and we're trying our best. But um, you still have to take that feedback on board and it is always an opportunity to improve. Um, so yeah, whether this got instigated by MCC or if by CEB um, would be an interesting um, conversation to have. Um, th there was definitely, I think, an opportunity. I mean, I'd Again, I'm not a member, so I'm a bit dark that I'm still stuck out in the outer with my options. But, um, yeah, whether I think there's always yeah, – I think there was still the need for a better beer um, in there. Um, it's not something that is new to me hearing from the lucky people that do get to go um, on that side of the ground. Look, we could, we could go on and on uh, just about that, but we probably should keep moving because, as one of our letter writers this week has um, indicated, 
the cook limit's not a bad thing, and we do need to sort of respect the cook limit. Uh, guys, just before we uh, move on to the mailbag, and Zoe, I'll be keen to get your uh, thoughts on this. Um, some new Brews News merch that uh, Matt and I are looking at uh, at doing that's very topical. Our um, you know, Hops and Brett and Novelty and Hype and Quality, Consistency, Balance and Style t-shirts have been very hugely popular. We're thinking of adding a couple of new ones to it, and I'll, I just want to run it by you just to see whether or not we're going to get into any trouble at all. But I'm thinking we get a red trucker's cap that says, Make IPA Clear Again, and the other one, <laughs> and the other one, T-shirt with Hazy is Lazy. Is that kind of, have we been a bit, you know, sort of old, old man talk back radio, you know, old man yells at cloud kind of stubbornness? Just just cashing in on the whole, you know, juicy IPA thing. Charlie Bamford. We could have, I think you know, they're Charlie hilarious. Underneath it. All right, done. We're getting, let's get them printed, Matt. Small, medium, large and women's sizes, please. Matt, I, I, I have to be honest with you. I was actually speaking to somebody who uh, does um, event shirts and things like that. Because we've always, when we've had the shirts in the past, it's been one of those um, direct-to-print where you order it online. It's a little bit more expensive, but you order it and it gets printed for you and then goes um, out directly. Um, Yeah. And the the hardest thing is if we actually get some shirts pre-printed so we can sort of give them out as merch, is trying to get sizes right. Because apparently when you go to a beer festival, the biggest selling shirts or the shirts that you constantly get run on is a triple extra large. and so that means you could have everything from small right up to triple extra large. And that's a lot of inventory to carry for, for a little shirt. So uh, we, we, we're looking at models to get those shirts done. Well, maybe, look, if people like the idea, like the concept, and there'll, there'll only be a little, like we tend to uh, have a, a small Bruise News uh, um, logo um, with it. So it's not, you're not super branding, you know, you're not repping, you know, you're not fanboys of, you know, when you go to festivals, you're not going to get asked to leave. Um, but it, perhaps if people pre-ordered, uh, then we could yeah, we could do some some runs from that. But anyway, let's anyway, let's see how we go. Good, I love good it. idea, Prof. You're a problem solver. But let's keep moving. We're well over. The, Thinking, uh, mate. I'm thinking. I'm a fixer. I fix things. Into the mailbag. Don't forget uh, to all our listeners, our loyal listeners, don't forget to review us on iTunes or send us an email, um, and you'll be in the draw for the letter of the week. Proudly sponsored by Beer Cartel. All our letter writers will receive a Bruise News bottle opener and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. Some of the beers that you get may also be wrapped in a label or sticker from Relling's Labels and Stickers, Matt. Absolutely, Prof. And we do thank... we do thank them for, for sponsoring this podcast. one 800 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels and printing done. Uh, we've got a couple left over because we were running a bit late as we are now, but I, I think we're allowed to go a little bit later when we've got Zoe on because we, we do get that third voice and we get the, the marketing insight that you and I can and only really quite, sort of And, and it's at. unusual quality as well. Exactly, the quality. <laughs> the dulcitivity increases by 10% and the relativity... <laughs> Um, increases by about 35%. Um, iTunes reviews. Uh, this one by <laughs> Justy, and I can't see There's a Justy, and then it's got like a little emoji or a, a logo that I can't see. The only Justy I know is Justy Goodbeer on um, on Facebook. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's him, um, but shout out to if it is Justy because he's, he's good people. Um, five stars. Thanks for all of the great conversation. The constant stream of episodes makes the daily drive a little less monotonous and ensures I don't miss out on any industry news. Uh, the next one, speaking of the cook limit, uh, the cook limit by Mo in Queensland. And again, five stars. Thank you for that. 
This is one of the best beery podcasts going at the moment, specifically Aussie-based beery podcasts. Uh, very informative and entertaining. I've been listening on and off for years. In the last six months or so, I've been more drawn to the show on a regular basis. Matt and Pete have a self-imposed cook limit to keep the show less than an hour, which doesn't align with my commute of more than an hour each way. This one but goes out it, to you, dear reader. <laughs> yeah, but it does make for good listening <laughs> while I'm working in the garden on the weekend. So there you go. There's another way of listening to us. If you're interested in what's happening in the Australian beer industry, I highly recommend it. And thank you very much for that, uh, Mo, in Queensland. And another five-star review. Beer really has become the conversation by Ravi Shastri who I don't know, uh, the current Indian cricket coach and uh, champion batsman from the uh, 80s. I don't know if it's the same Ravi Shastri. Could be. Great way to keep up to date with the industry and chats with some of the best in the industry. Cheers. There we go. And we did get a quick – oh, now, quick uh, – remember Luke Pomery a few episodes ago, we name-checked him because he was – now, was he the one who – he was at a brewery and talking about the – we're talking about toilet doors, um, <laughs> as we often do, Zoe. But in terms of marketing, you know how sometimes instead of an M and an F or a male, <laughs> female or boys and girls, people get, you know, stallions and fillies and, you know, all sorts of uh, interesting things. And sometimes you've got to kind of go, oh, I'm going to have to take a punt here. I'm not quite sure which one I'm supposed to go into. Um Yuli's had their uh, Norman and Amanda, so the, the the two characters from from two of their beers on theirs. But there was an update from um, uh, Luke Pomery, who said uh, he found one that had the astrological sign. Thanks for taking the time to read my email and for the letter of the week wedding present. Our pleasure, Luke. Uh, the symbols on the toilet doors at Het Anchor are the ones you described on the podcast with the male symbol, a circle with an arrow pointing northeast, being derived from the astrological symbol for Mars, and the female symbol, circle with cross underneath, being derived from Venus. I did not know that. I didn't know that that was the – I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, and then we uh, last letter from <laughs> Tom Davies from Yulie's Brews. I uh, thought you guys would appreciate our toilet signs. Our male is Norman, who is our Australian pale ale, and our female is Amanda, who is our Mandarin IPA. Amanda, Mandarin IPA. See what they did there? Both of these have had a few modi modifications to the artwork. But there you go. But at least if I went to Yulie's, um, I would know uh, which uh, bathroom I was supposed to use. And at the end of the day, isn't that what's important? Which is a very important thing. Yeah. Yes. Now, Matt, one of those one of those letters slash uh, iTunes reviews we need to determine uh, as the the best. Uh, well, I'm, I'm I, I, not, I, I, not Luke because we've already given him one and his was a follow up. I, I think uh, Zoe can choose. Oh, I don't think I can handle the pressure of choosing. Come on, Zoe. No pressure, but. Um, I think I might have to go with the cook limit one because every time I'm on, I go well over your cook limit so i think that's going to inspire <laughs> that's not you, me that's us. to try not no, to too much when yeah. i come on so i think my in queensland gets it from me so it's a nice little nudge um so, for me yeah, as well excellent. so mo in queensland um now you probably won't listen, listen to this until you're doing the gardening on the weekend and depending on which part of queensland you're in uh, it may be a couple of months before you can <laughs> get out into the garden um but when you are listening to this if you could please uh what is it, Matt? Producer at brewsnews.com.au. That's the and one. And give us a postal address so that we can uh, send out a six-pack thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel. And all the other letter writers and reviewers will be getting a bar blade as well, which you can also use to open cans because cans are very popular now, apparently. Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure yet again. Anything else before we go? No, looking forward to catching up uh, in, with you in Melbourne next week. We might see if, if we can uh, find time to record tete-a-tete. -tete. Actually, wouldn't it be great if we could record tete-a-tete -tete with Zoe as well? 
That'd be good, actually. We could go somewhere nice that's sort of, you know, not too far from the airport to help you out or, or near your uh, accommodation. Um, and that's got a little bit of ambience, but also a little bit of quietness and, and do a, yeah, a three-way live recording would be great. I'll get my people to uh, get in touch with your calendar keepers, Zoe, and, and we'll see do if lunch. we can make that work. It's <laughs> good. Too easy. Uh, Zoe Ottaway from Toto Marketing. Again, congratulations on the gig with um, with Good Beer Week and really looking forward to the program kicking off. It's going to be an absolute belter. In between now and then, of course, we've got uh, the AIBA judging, which gets underway in just a couple of short weeks. And before you know it, we're into Good Beer Week and it's all happening. But Zoe, thank you very much for taking a little bit of valuable time out of your marketing day to come and join us on Good Brews Week. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I love doing this. So thank you for having me. No worries at all. And, you know, you make us smarter. So thank you for that. <laughs> Isn't it like, you know, uh, it was Mr. Rob, Mr. Rogers' Neighbourhood or something, you know, so I think we've all learned something today. Like I do, we, we, we learn something new every day when we, uh, when we speak to you. So thank you very much for uh, helping us out. Thank you. Um, I'll reserve the most special of thanks to all of our loyal listeners. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for caring. Thank you for letting other people know uh, where they can find Good Brews Week. Thank you for keeping us as the number one beer-based podcast and remember we're in the food category so you know we're up against the big guns we're up against the gordon ramsays and the jamie olivers and whoever else does podcasts we're thrown in there matt we dropped from number seven to 25 in the last couple of weeks are we are we back up again or are we oh we're still top shit. 30 so i made it top, top, top 30 hey winners are grinners and shit sandwich for second what else can you say onwards and upwards uh thanks very much and uh we look forward to seeing you again next week now the other thing too matt very quickly that i just forgot um or just remembered more pertinently have you guys seen uh as yet untitled with alan davis and it's basically a, a conversation around the table alan davis the uh welsh comedian uh heads it up and he has three or four guests with him and it's basically just a chat and it sounds the like show, a conversation as, as yet untitled, it is very much a conversation. But then, depending on where the conversation goes, they just bounce all over the place. And because you, you, you're talking to four or five comedians, it goes in all sorts of weird places and they recall, you know, interesting anecdotes and, and it just goes off on all sorts of topics. And at the end, just before the credits run, they have to assign a name, a title for the show based on, you know, something that has come up or a combination of things that have, have come up. Now, with us now, you know, putting our big boy pants on, Matt, and uh, getting out into the into the real world of, of podcasting. We can't use, as Joe told us, we can't use, call it like episode 211, which this is. We need to have a catchy title for the episode. iTunes so, is, just, yeah, is, is encouraging people not to have show numbers but have show names. So can I suggest that for this podcast that we name it Two Blokes and a Girl in a Boat? We can work on that. But anyway, thanks again, Zoe, very much I'll for joining us. That. We'll let you get back to it. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Matt? Always we got to, off. Didn't, didn't get into too much trouble today, which is good, although we'll wait for the cards and letters. And thank you again to all our listeners. Take care, and we'll see you again next time on Good Brews Week. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. 
Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer is a conversation.